Tis the season, man, and uh, if you need help around your yard, I have the perfect company. Whether it's uh, Christmas time, springtime, fall, summer, it does not matter. Steel, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. There's more than 10,000 dealers around the country, so you have one right around the corner with a perfect holiday gift waiting for you or maybe somebody that you care deeply about. If you want to check out all of their products, go to steel, S-T-I-H-L, USA.com, and you're going to be blown away by how many unbelievable products they have, big and small and medium, whether it is gas-powered, electric, or battery-powered. They're going to get the job done for you. As I've told you on many occasions, I have a garage full of of steel product. They're fun to use. They're easy to use. And they're really, honestly, they're going to help you uh, clean up that yard. They're going to help you in so many uh, projects year round. Um, I use the blowers, uh, you know, sometimes to clear snow off the uh, deck or certainly leaves right now because we don't have any snow anymore, it seems like. So uh, check out their great products at SteelUSA.com, S-T-I-H-L, and you'll find a dealer right around the corner at SteelDealers.com. Tell you all the time about Boyer's Coffee. I start my day with Boyer's Coffee, and uh, many times I finish my day with Boyer's Coffee. I certainly have one midday as well. In fact, have one right now as we're taping the uh, podcast. Boyer's has been making great coffee in this region since 1965. So you can feel good about not only the quality of the coffee, the quality of the product, but the fact that you are supporting a local company. And that, uh, for me, that feels good doing that. They're environmentally conscious. They care about the community. And that's been ongoing uh, for close to 60 years now. And they have all kinds of great deals year round, but particularly during the holidays and leading into the new year. You've got to go to boyerscoffee.com to see all of uh, the great opportunities to save money on their great products. And uh, I think you're going to be really impressed uh, with um, the number of items they have that you can choose from. So you can get it uh, online and have it delivered right to your house as I do, or you can go to your local grocer. It's boyerscoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Steve Sands from the Golf Channel with some insight into one of the greatest athletes of our time. When you go to an event when Tiger's there versus going to an event when Tiger wasn't in the field, it was a stark difference, Drew. The energy was just incredible. And if Tiger will return to the tour. I think if we see him again, it's because he feels he's ready. He is not going to go out there and compete against the best players in the world on those golf courses unless he is absolutely ready to do it. Plus, Drew has a Christmas wish list for the world of sports. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to show number 128, and Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. We're taping on a Wednesday, December 22nd, but many of you may consume this uh, around Christmas Day or perhaps a little bit uh, after our 128th show, and uh, I hope you're enjoying the holidays. I hope you're having a great time with uh, friends and family, and again, Merry, Merry Christmas, and thank you for being loyal listeners for going on, what is this, uh, going on, we're in the middle of 
of year three. It's crazy to think that, but um, thank you very, very much for your loyalty. And I want to thank my sponsors for their loyalty. Uh, most have been with uh, us since day one. Boyer's Coffee, Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's team, uh, the great folks at uh, Steel USA, that's S-T-I-H-L, and over the the better part of a year, uh, the great family law firm of Cox, Baker, and Paid. So big, big thank you to all of you, and uh, we really appreciate your um, considerable and great alliance with uh, with our podcast. So thank you again. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun on this particular show. Steve Sands, who I've known. Um, and I don't get to talk to very frequently, but Steve uh, has become a fixture in the in the golf broadcasting industry for years and years at NBC Sports and the Golf Channel. Uh, he does play-by-play, and you see him quite a bit doing interviews. And in particular, he's developed a, a long and strong great relationship with Tiger Woods, who uh, captivated us all over the weekend. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. Hey, you know, every week I, I jump on uh, DNVR with Patrick uh, Lyons on the DNVR Rockies podcast, and they do five of those uh, guys a week. And Patrick is so thorough. He has great writing on the TN- DNVR website. All those products do. I mean, if you're a CU fan or CSU fan, Rockies, Nuggets, Broncos, um, uh, Avs, you, you got it check out DNVR because they cover things so thoroughly, not only from an audio standpoint, but also from a print uh, standpoint. And Patrick and I have a good time this week talking about next season's Rockies road trips. And uh, if you could pick one as a fan, which one would be wise to go on? There's a a number of uh, different choices, and we'll also get into some other uh, fun topics as well. So that's the DNVR Rockies uh, podcast. So the Broncos last weekend lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, you well know, 15 to 10. You know what was most alarming for me? Not just that the defense played well and, and uh, you know, the quarterback play was sketchy and, and hopefully Teddy Bridgewater is going to be just fine, most importantly. Uh, but there were over 9,000 no-shows. Sunday, the Broncos were playing an enormous game. Two playoff competitors, two playoff contenders in the Broncos and Bengals on a flat-out gorgeous day in late December. Not a cloud in the sky. You don't have to battle frigid temperatures. It's the holiday season, and there were over 9,000 no-shows. And I tell you, it just underscored what I've been saying for a while. I've been on my soapbox in baseball saying you better get that CBA done because this is not 25, 30 years ago. People will spend their entertainment dollars elsewhere. They have other choices more than ever before. Could you ever have imagined the Broncos above 500 playing another above 500 teams with true with true potential playoff implications in late December and there being 9,000 folks on a gorgeous, well, a snowstorm, man. It wasn't like, oh, it's five below and it's just eight inches of snow on the ground and I'm just going to watch it on TV. I would have understood that. Though back in the day, there still wouldn't have been 9,000 no-shows. Over 9,000 people stayed away in what was a large game uh, going into it. So I, I, I hope baseball People have their eyes wide open when they see situations like that. All right, it's time 
to give away Christmas gifts. Nothing better than gifting this time of year. Better to give than to receive. And I think that's very true. So number one on my Christmas gift list, and I got a kind of long list uh, this year of gifts I want to give away. Number one, let's get this um, COVID pandemic in the rearview mirror. I, I think there's unanimity in our country and in this world to see that. So that's that's an obvious one. Number two, for all of the baseball fans out there, and I was just kind of alluding to this, let's get this CBA done. It, um, the owners and the players union, they need to get this thing done by mid-January, the third week of January, hopefully at the latest. You don't want this to become a major story leaking into February, and now the conversation about spring training is going to be delayed. Is it going to result in missed games? Is it going to result in pushing the start of the season back? That would be an enormous black eye on the game. And I'm telling you, just as I mentioned with 9,000 plus Bronco fans not showing up in a community that is rabid about its pro football team and has been for decades. People move on, man. They'll move on. They got to get this thing figured out in January. Rockies fans, since we're on the topic of baseball, Christmas presents. How about two sluggers? Let's give them a name, too. How about Kyle Schwarber and Chris Bryant under the Christmas tree? Well, they can't be under the Christmas tree. It'll have to be a post-Christmas present when they get the CBA done. There's going to be a feeding frenzy. It's going to be quick, and the and the Rockies are going to have to put uh, a big number out there and be really aggressive. Uh, you're going to have to put your best foot forward initially. There's not going to be a lot of time to bargain. And, man, would that be good to get uh, a couple of sluggers uh, post-Christmas. For the Denver Broncos, back to the Broncos for a moment. They have a championship, I believe, caliber defense. I think they really do. Or good enough to play late into January. They need a trigger man. We've known this for a while. How about Russell Wilson? I know his name gets mentioned. I know he only has a, a few teams that he'd be willing to uh, accept a trade for. But Seattle seems like they're in transition. Seems like they're in a position where they'll take multiple draft picks and kind of start from scratch again. And there's enough in the tank for a Russell Wilson to still be a high-level guy with the right parts around him. And we think they have the receiver room. So wouldn't that be nice? Again, that would be a post-Christmas type of gift. Uh, since we're talking football and we're talking gifts, you know what gift you need and I need and every football fan needs at the collegiate level, at the NFL level, better damn officiating. And I know it's hard and I hate beating up officials. I really do. But I've gotten on my soapbox on numerous occasions on this podcast before, especially when it comes to frivolous pass interference penalties that are called that alter games. We had one over the weekend that wasn't called, but usually you know, there's a little bit of hand fighting and, and boom, there's a 35, 40-yard penalty called the NFL level. The one in college that, that really gets me is the targeting. And, th and this, is, this has to, um, th this goes back to the rules committee in the NCAA. 
they need to tier targeting. Stop throwing kids out first time that there's, uh, you know, a glancing blow helmet to helmet and the kid gets thrown out and he's out for half the next game. That's ridiculous. Make it at least two. If there was if there was a collision and it was helmet first and it gets flagged, that's fine. That's a warning. The next one, he gets tossed. I mean, throwing kids out uh, like they do in college, left and right, and some of them, the game's happening really fast. There has to be sensibility. So that's what, you know, for next year, we need better officiating in football. Too many games um, are affected in large measure by poor calls or calls that shouldn't be made. If it ain't egregious, keep the flag in your pocket. All right. I mentioned, uh, you know, what, what I was hoping for the Broncos for, for a Christmas gift or a post-Christmas gift. We'll go down team by team of the professional teams in town, of the major professional teams. The Denver Nuggets, um, Jamal Murray's return to health. That's that's an obvious one. And continued growth for Bones Highland, who's such a, an intriguing uh, player. And then, quite honestly, for the for the Nuggets to contend, you you're going to have to have like a nightly triple double from the Joker. They're going to need it, and he almost uh, on a nightly basis provides that for the Avalanche. We also did the Nuggets already, by the way, two sluggers. Uh, so the Avalanche, last but certainly not least, you know how talented that roster is. They need good health. Are you kidding me? I think they've played one game this entire year so far, and now they're paused because of COVID, as is the entire NHL. They, they've played one game with their projected roster, so they need really good health in the second half, and then we can find out if they can win it all, ultimately. Uh, for me, this is just a personal one. You know I'm a new, big New York Giant football fan. Um, I, I'm reminded right now this period that they're in, and they won a world championship in 07 and, and 2011, four Super Bowl titles and five Super Bowl appearances all time. But when I was growing up in the 70s, you know, I was seven years old in 1970, they went, they went a period um, where they were just god-awful, more than a decade. And they finally started turning it around. It was like Bill Parcell's second year. They had gotten uh, a new general manager in George Young, the late George Young, and then they drafted, you know, among others, Phil Simms, but most notably, they drafted Lawrence Taylor, and it completely changed the franchise fortunes around. <clears throat> but they're lost again, and they're going to make a change at the general manager spot, and I hope they get it right. Because watching my Giants every week, you think you think it's hard to watch the Broncos? The Broncos are at least mediocre. The Giants have been a, a joke. So I, I do hope for good things under the Christmas tree going forward for the uh, Giants and how they're run uh, with their uh, new general manager. One would assume they're getting a new general manager. And uh, number one, I had a number one on this uh, Christmas list, but number one, this, this truly trumps everything else, and that is... Uh, Good health for my family and for your family going forward. All right. So there's my uh, my Christmas list and my post-Christmas uh, list. Okay. Over the weekend, I watched the NFL, and there were some dog games. You know, the Broncos, not even going to go there. There were the Giants. I watched that. There were so many dog games. Um, but starting on Friday with the Pro-Am at the PNC Championship, I was all in on watching Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods. You got to see Tiger play again, 
And it was 10 months ago that you're wondering, is he ever going to play golf, period? Are we going to get robbed selfishly of seeing this immense talent, you know, starless again with like he did at East Lake, like he did at Augusta a couple of years ago? And then he comes out, and first of all, he looks like he looks great. I mean, the guy's work ethic is off the charts. Did, did Was he limping a little bit later on? Yes. He's talking about you know, the ball not staying in the air as, as long as it used to. And I know he was driving a cart. But guess what? He was still hitting some amazing shots. And it's really one of the first times he's played golf in 10 months. And watching his son. Are you kidding me? I mean, they're like twins, except Charlie's 12 years old and he's a little guy. His swing is gorgeous. If you were rolling up on a driving range somewhere and you saw a little guy swinging the golf club like that and you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't care who it was. You'd stop and watch and you'd say, my goodness, look at this guy swing the golf club. His swing's amazing. That shot he hit on 17, is they were in the midst of making, what, 11 birdies in a row. And amazingly, they sh- two of the holes, they don't birdie that they are par fives, including uh, the 18th. And the, the daily father-son combination of John and John Jr. Uh, I think it's John Jr., right? They, um, they win it all. But Tiger and Charlie stole the show. And I was all in watching over the weekend. And for me, in my lifetime... You know, there's Jordan. It was just different. Great talent, phenomenal work ethic, great determination. But there, there's something magnetic uh, that you're drawn to with Jordan. And the same thing with Tiger. And Tiger, we were always drawn to, but he wasn't really necessarily that likable a figure for many years. And now you see him and he's warm in interviews and... You see how he's matured, and you see him as as a this caring dad, and he was all about dad. It wasn't like, uh, you know, so he never saw him coach Charlie. Really, you know, you they talked about putts as you would with a playing partner, you know, at, at a local golf course. It just, I mean, it it really was heartwarming to watch it and to see his evolution. Uh, for me, he's the he's the greatest athlete that I've seen in my lifetime. I really believe that in, ter- in, the, in terms of the whole package and to see him doing his thing again, what a treat. And I think what a great treat uh, for all of you is uh, this upcoming interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. It's with Steve Sands. And, you know, I've known Steve for a long time, though, as I said earlier, I don't get to talk to him uh, a great deal. Periodically, I'll reach out to him. We had an opportunity to play golf uh Oh, a few years back, actually, where Tiger plays golf, he was great enough to uh, to get us on there. Not Tiger, Steve Sands was. Uh, but but Steve's become, as I said, a fixture in the golf industry, very well respected. He He's he's terrific in his commentary. He's terrific in uh, his play-by-play. He's terrific as an interviewer, and he has a unique relationship uh, with Tiger Woods. So we get into uh, a lot of subjects and a lot of stuff on Tiger in uh in this interview i think you're going to really enjoy it it's uh, steve sands from nbc sports and the golf channel our ideal home loans interview of the week all right i got to give a little context steve because you and i go back and i'm going to start dating both of us i'm older i'm older than you but you went you're from dc and you go to school at colorado state and i get introduced to you 
through, uh, I think, my brother-in-law years ago. How'd you end up at CSU? <laughs> I was, uh, so I grew up in D.C. I'd never been west of the Potomac River my whole life. And like a normal high school kid, played football and basketball. And every year, our basketball team, um, ever since I can remember from like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, we always had a, a tournament the week of Christmas. And when I got to be on varsity in 11th grade, we got eliminated in the first day. So I had a few friends going skiing uh, out to Vail. And I said to my parents, hey, it's the first time I had a Christmas break off. And literally, I can remember. And my buddies are going out to Vail. Would you guys mind if I went out there? My parents were like, sure. Landed at the old Stapleton Airport. Um, yeah. Breathe, you know, take a whiff of that that fresh air in Colorado. Look around the mountains, and I was like, "Holy cow! This is the prettiest place I've ever seen in my life." And uh, long story short, came back home, told my parents that it was, you know, every single friend of mine I grew up with was going to the University of Maryland, uh, and I love Maryland. I love the turfs in my blood, uh, but. I was like, you know what? I'd rather go away and go see what's out there as opposed to doing what every other literally friend of mine is going to do. And my parents were great. They highly encouraged it. And uh, my dad and they came out to visit. And my dad, who's from Brooklyn, uh, and also has lived in D.C., you know, up until he was 81 years old, uh, had never been to Colorado either. And he landed in, we landed at Staples. He was like, well, geez, where else are you going to go to school? This place is gorgeous. So there you go. There you go. And you know what? You're not alone. And you brought like uh, like 1.5 million people since you arrived or something. <laughs> By the way, we met. I don't know if you remember this, Drew. And this is a this is college to a T. Uh, we met um, through Scott and we went the first time I ever met you because you were a little older than me. And when I met you, I wanted to be a sportscaster. So I wanted to be Drew Goodman when we met and we hung out at this place. I forget the name of it, but I do know the night. It was all-you-can-eat pasta night, which is a classic college thing like you would have in Port Collins. And we sat there and ate mounds and mounds and mounds of pasta until you said, hey, listen, you guys are still in college. I've got to work for a living, man. i got to stop eating. And that was that. that's the night we met. It's, oh, wow. I, I, you know, I do remember it was in Fort yes, Collins. Junction, something like that. Something. I, I, I vaguely remember, I, I definitely remember meeting you, um, that I don't remember the all you can eat pasta. Um, <laughs> but I remember going out and, um, you know, we were talking, I knew you wanted to get into the business and, and, um, you know, it's funny too. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast and I'll talk about myself on the podcast, but, when I first got into business, he, he, you know, your dad's from Brooklyn. My family's from the Bronx in Brooklyn originally. And um, I wanted to be, um, you know, I wanted to, back then, Steve, and, and even though I'm older than you, you're, you're in the same boat, basically. You think, okay, I want to be the, you know, Monday through Friday anchor. For me, it was like Marv Albert. And I wanted to, uh, you know, talk about the Knicks and the Rangers and, and the Giants and the Jets, right? And that, you know, that's completely gone away i gotta ask you though because you've become such a fixture anybody in the golf, not anybody everybody in the golf world uh you know knows who you are when you first landed at the golf channel and and thusly nbc sports did you imagine okay this is a i mean it's a great gig obviously but it's a stepping stone because i want to i want to do other things as well um and at what point in time do you go you know what i'm 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 a golf guy, man. I'm I'm a lifer in this industry, and I've made a huge name for myself in it. 
Well, I've never ever thought I've made a huge name for myself. Like, well, like you, Drew, you're never going to hear me talk about myself like that. But, um, you know, when I first started doing it, I, you know, doing play by play, anchoring the sports Monday through Friday at a, at a big station, at, a, at an affiliate was, you know, the greatest way I could think of making a living, just being involved in sports. And when I got hired at the end of 2000 by the Golf Channel, you know, I was doing all kinds of different sports, live events, uh, anchoring the sports at the NBC affiliate in Orlando, Florida at the time, having gone from Scott's Bluff, Nebraska after leaving Fort Collins, you know, to Oak Hill, West Virginia, Martinsburg, West Virginia, Utica, New York, Richmond, Virginia, Orlando, that whole route, like everybody else takes, that kind of thing. And, uh, and when I got offered the job at the Golf Channel, I remember sitting down with my wife, um, Valerie, and I remember talking to my mom and dad about it. And of course, my mom and dad were like, "The what? <laughs> no, <laughs> the who? Like, what about football and basketball and, and baseball and hockey and tennis and horse racing, all the other things?" And I was like, "Yeah," I said, "You know, this is a really good opportunity. It's national television, not local, not regional. Um, and why not give it a shot? I'd never done golf, but the, the founder of the Golf Channel and the people who were there at the time, they just thought." You know, you had a good sound for it, you know, whether you're doing play-by-play in the booth or whether you're in the tower or whether you're down on the ground doing the interviews or whether you're hosting Golf Central in the studio. This is, you know, 22 years ago. Um, and it just felt like a good fit. And, uh, you know, at that point, you could tell, Drew, that local sports was kind of dying a little bit. And that Denver's a fabulous sports market. But for most sports markets in the nation, you know, it's kind of dwindling a little bit how much time local sports guys get uh, local sports people get. And this was a chance to go not only on national television, but do something when you did it every every day, when you were covering something, when you were calling an event, it was the biggest thing going at the network. Uh, you didn't get bumped for a snowstorm or or a murder or something like that. So it was, uh, it was a great opportunity, but I think, you know, more than half the people in my life thought I was crazy to take it. Yeah, you know, it also mirrored more or less, correct me if I'm wrong, the rise of Tiger Woods and thusly the meteoric rise of the popularity of golf and what golf looked like. It was no longer just privy to the country club set. Is that a fair analogy? 100%. It was, uh, excuse me, I remember. Um, I had done some golf. I'd never called golf. I'd never done play-by-play, but I'd been to big golf events um, covering for local stations um, where I had worked previously. And, you know, everybody knew Tiger Woods was back in 2000. It wasn't like Tiger wasn't Tiger Woods in 2000. Um, he had won the Masters in 97 after winning the three U.S. Amateurs. Uh, he had changed the, the way the game looked to most people. Uh, in the country. Uh, he also changed the way people acted on the golf course. It was okay to fist pump and throw a hat uh, in a good way, um, you know, get excited, get pumped up, uh, that kind of thing. That that just hadn't been the way golf was viewed, looked upon, and also, you know, in competition, you just didn't see that very often. Um, and, yeah, his rise in the early part of when I was at the Golf Channel I remember thinking, man, when you go to an event when Tiger's there versus going to an event when Tiger wasn't in the field, it was a 
stark difference, Drew. The energy was just incredible when he would go out there to perform. And, and I mean perform. I consider him, you know, look, you know, Jordan, Gretzky, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people who you would consider the goats in whatever sports you happen to choose. Do I think he's the greatest golfer in the history of the sport? I think Jack's the, the greatest champion. Uh, but Tiger might be the best golfer who's ever played the sport, certainly the most prolific winner uh, percentage-wise. Um, and he's a performer. He's the greatest performer I've ever seen in person. And that includes Jordan. That includes Gretzky. I saw them both in person, uh, both as a fan and covering the games. And, man, Tiger Woods makes a difference when he is, uh, you know, playing. And he, and he still does. Uh, just look at last week, Drew. I mean, it's just crazy. Steve, it's crazy. It, 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 yeah, and I'll, I'll give people, take people behind the curtain a little bit. So I'm watching. It's funny. I sent out. I, I'm not one of these mad tweeters at all. Um, I find some of it or a lot of it quite self-absorbed. But, you know, it's a tool that we all, most of us utilize. Yeah, it's a tool we, we utilize to, you know, connect with fans and, and to make a quick commentary. And I'm and so I go back, you know, I'm, I'm a New York Giant fan still, even though they're miserable now. Um, and so I'm watching the da- the Giants and Cowboys. I'm, I'm checking on that uh, the whole time watching Tiger and Charlie, though. But and then and then the Broncos come on. Obviously, you know, doing my due diligence, I got to watch them. Anyhow, miserable football game after football game, and there's Tiger and Charlie. And so that morning, I'm like, I gotta get, I gotta get Steve on this week. So I felt horrible. I told you this. I felt horrible. I text you. I mean, you're like in between interviews or whatever, and and you were awesome. And you got right back to me. I said, Hey, can we talk first part of the week? And you, yeah, absolutely. I'll be out in bail actually. Um, so I, a, I really appreciate that, but I am, I am mesmerized and have always been, my kids are the same way with Tiger. And I will say this, Steve, you, you've forgotten more golf than I'll ever know, but I will, I will tell you that, uh, doing the nuggets for 10 years, I, I had the great pleasure of, of watching Jordan up close, um, when they, when the nuggets played them. Uh, and and I put him right there with Tiger. But for me, I don't know in my lifetime if there is a greater athlete and a and a greater showman and a greater personality than than Tiger Woods. And it's I, I think so. It, everybody must people. Steve, as, as many people as you cover, and, and the great players that are in the game now. The conversation, our conversation, it's always going to, it's always going to move back to Tiger, is it not? I think so. I mean, look, I, I, I forget how old you are. I'll, I'll be fifty-three in a couple of months. I, I, I got five years on you, right? So you're a few years ahead of me because I remember meeting you when I was either a junior or senior in college. But look, I, I went to Jordan. I did Jordan playoff games, um, and I've seen Gretzky. You know, maybe not at his peak, like we saw Jordan. It's a little before that, so I might, may have missed that, but. I mean, go down the line of all the great athletes uh, in our lifetime, and you, you gotta put, you have to put them right there. Now, golf is not football, it's not basketball, it's not baseball. It's 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 it's, it's like hockey as far as ratings and popularity. The difference is is that golfers play, so golfers who watch golf also participate. We all play high school sports. But we stopped playing after high school, or if we were lucky enough to play in college, none of us make the pros. Um, but golfers continue to play the game. So as he performs in front of not only other athletes and, and rock stars and 
all these people. He's also competing against the best players in the world, trying to attain a record that no one thought was even possible. Jack Nichols is 18 majors. Um, and all the while he's doing it with the, his look, his smile, his personality, um, his energy. I mean, his, his energy. I keep saying that word, Drew. His energy is incredible at a golf tournament. It, it, it's like being at a sporting event. It's like being at a, an Avs playoff game. It's not like being at a golf tournament. When he's in the mix, the place is not golf loud. It's sports loud. And, you know, you asked me earlier, you know, when did you kind of morph into being just a golf guy? I just kind of fell into that. The timing of it was doing all his events. As I got a little bit more seasoned at the Golf Channel and his career started to really blossom, it came around, it came around at the same time. And I've said this to you or whoever else, you know, many times. We're only as smart as the people we speak to in this business, Drew. I mean, I've done a lot of play-by-play uh, and call halls and go down on the ground and do interviews. But all anybody ever recognizes in golf is when you interview Tiger. Uh, you can do all the play-by-play you want. You can do anything you want in the business. If you're doing TV and you're doing golf, that guy is in a separate category. And I mean that with Jack and Arnie. Tiger is bigger than all of them. Maybe even combined, and it's yeah. pretty wild to be around him when he's at an event when he's competing. And, and Steve, and I wanted to delve into this because, and I say this not to embarrass you, I say it because it's fact, and it comes across on the screen, and it, and it comes across uh, to me not just because I know you. He likes you. He likes you a lot. You've developed a a, a relationship that I'm sure has grown as he's grown through the years. What was the origin of that? Why do you feel like he kind of gravitated toward you and, and trusted you when he didn't trust anybody? Well, I think that the last thing you said is, is everything. Um, if you do what we do for a living, Drew, and you know this, again, whether you're in the booth or down on the field talking to the guys, um, or in, in my case, on the golf course talking to the guys, trust is everything. And I think, and I've always thought this, the most extraordinary people um, are also ordinary people. So they like to be treated in a normal fashion. They don't need to always have someone kissing their butt and just, you know, sucking up to them and doing those kinds of things. Just try to be as normal as possible and do your job and do it well and, and make that trust, which, by the way, is the relationship that I have with Tiger is a is a – a business relationship, and it only happens because he allows it through. You know, people who do what you and I do for a living, the smartest ones are the ones who realize it's up to the athlete to for you to gain the trust of it. It's not the other way around. You know, you've got to earn their trust. They need to earn your trust and vice versa. And when you go back and forth, at the end of the day, if the athlete doesn't let you in, then the relationship's not going anywhere anyway. So, Way back in the early 2000s when Tiger was doing his thing, he always played, always, on a Wednesday Pro-Am would be the first group out. And I mean 6.40, 6.45 a.m., crack of dawn, because he wanted to get around that first nine quickly. Things would slow up on the second nine, but he'd be off the golf course by like 11 or 11.30. And I used to do his events. When I'd get assigned those events, you'd always want to have an interview with Tiger on Wednesday before the event began on Thursday. And I always thought it was important 
that if the athletes are working, no matter what sport it is in this case, golf, if the athletes are working, then we should be working. You know, you got to go to shoot around. You got to go to BP. You got to go to their warm up sessions. You got to go to pro am days. So I used to go every single Wednesday and be there at 6.30, 6.40 a.m. on the tee. And I, and I would walk with the group and just kind of get to know them, talk about sports and life and all kinds of things that are not golf-related. And, you know, eventually you've got to go do your job and say, hey, can I get you on camera for a couple of minutes? He'd say yes or no, but normally he'd say yes. You get to know him a little bit, and then, you know, the trust factor really builds. And, you know, over the course of 25 years of knowing him, you know, he's been awfully good to me. Drew, and you know this over the years. He does not have to do that, um, and he's been awfully good to me over the years, and and I'm very much appreciative of it. Yeah, there, there's been a metamorphosis too, because as captivated as we all were watching him and amazed by the accomplishments and and all the things he changed about the game, not just about who played, um, but what players look like. Right. They're, they look like athletes now. I mean, years ago, you didn't refer to golfers as athletes. And every I mean, look at the new breed. I mean, you talk about, you know, and have for, for years what these young guys look like. The Rory McIlroy's, you know, the you know, the Dustin Johnson, you know, DeChambeau, obviously how fit and strong they are. Anyhow, you know, when with, with Tiger, he is now you would never you would never use the term warm with Tiger 20 years ago. But watching him, not just with Charlie, but in other situations the last couple of years, Steve, he's a he's a guy that, that you embrace, that, that there is a warmth to him. And that's, it has to be fascinating for you to see that come out. Yeah, no question. Look, again, Drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cite my age. All right, again, I'll be 53 in a, in a couple months, in about a month and a half. Tiger will be 46 at the end of this month, next week. You know, I think people forget when they watch sports, especially in the early part of these guys' careers, they're kids, Drew. Yeah. If you handed me $100 million coming out of Colorado State when I was 22 years old, I perhaps would have made a few mistakes um, along the way. And maybe not as matured as, as regularly as a normal person matures through his 20s and his 30s and his 40s. So you've got to give these athletes time to grow up and to adjust to their lives and to adjust to the stardom and the money. It's what they aspire to to be. It's, it's what they are trying to accomplish, and it's also something that comes with the territory. But you also need to, in my opinion, need to give them a little bit of leeway because they're, they're kids when they first come out. And it's a strange life. It's a great life, but it's a strange life. So in Tiger's case, I was talking to him about this the other day. I, we, he was in the booth with us on NBC uh, at his Hero World Challenge, and I was in the booth that week, and he came up for like 30 or 40 minutes. And, look, he used to beat the brains out of Phil Mickelson, Drew, and yeah. DJ, and David Duvall, and Rateef Goosen, and Ernie Els. He never got a chance to know those guys. He was too busy pummeling them into the ground competitively. Well, now... He's a much more mature person. He's been through a lot on and off the golf course. We all know that. Um, but Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, you know, Brooks Kepka, these guys are friends with him now because he's allowed that. Because as he's gotten older, had a couple of kids, gone through all the things he's gone through, 
and just matured as an adult. His, his perspective on life and on golf are completely different now than they were 10 or 20 years ago. And that's just a natural maturation process. Um, so, again, you know, uh, most things in life with Tiger are predicated on Tiger himself allowing them to happen. And I'm happy for him that he's allowed more things into his life in the last couple of years. You know, you and I know this well, Drew, balance is very important. And I think that the scales were tipped uh, and he was not balanced correctly uh, 20 years ago, perhaps. But he certainly is, is more even keeled now when it comes to uh, life, golf, family, friends, um, how much he's allowed people into his lives. It's, it's nice. You can just tell he's just more at peace. He just seems like a, like a guy who feels a little bit better about his own situation. Uh, he, he's so much. I, I always, again, admired him beyond belief, and, and so many people did. But he's so much more likable, and that's what you're saying. And the other thing is, and I, I know I'm sure you're you're this way. You you and your wife Al, with with your three boys, my three boys, they're the most important things, and they trump everything else. We have these, you know, by most people's standards, you know, this glamorous, semi-glamorous career covering sports, etc. But it's all about our kids. And when we were watching Tiger and Charlie, I mean, as beautiful a swing as Charlie has, I mean, my goodness. Yes, uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Um, and the mannerisms and you chuckle, he's a little boy. He looks just like his dad and everything he does. But, but to see Tiger just be a dad and you, he became one of us sort of, even though when it comes to golf, he's in a different pl- on a different planet. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, it was cool, and, and you know, you don't want to be all mushy and you know fatherly yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I will say, it's it's cool to see him interact with his kid like that. And by the way, it's not just on camera; it's not for show. He is very close to Sam, who was there uh, right. watching her brother Charlie and her father Tiger. Uh, he, she was there all weekend. Uh, obviously, Charlie was there playing with his dad. Uh, and you could just look at Tiger, man. Just look at his mannerisms when he's around Charlie. You can tell how tight they are. And, you know, there are a lot of people who were asking me last week, uh, do you think Charlie's going to be able to get behind the microphone and speak after a round? I said, you know, I think Tiger wants to protect him from that side of the golf world right now. And, you know, if he matures and gets to a point where he's, you know, playing tournament golf at a higher level and, and perhaps needs to get in front of a camera and do an interview, then, then Tiger will allow it and allowing me, meaning, you know, quote unquote, allowing it. And I, I just, you know, it would have been great to hear from Charlie last week standing there with Tiger, but I totally get uh, Tiger's approach. He's there for his son. He's there to compete with Charlie. He's there for Charlie to have a great time and wants to protect him and make sure that he's enjoying it as much as he can. And it was nice. It was a, it was a nice thing. It was great last year. It was even better this year, uh, seeing them together. Uh, and that Charlie's got a money swing, man. He's only 12, Drew, and I don't want to be one of those who projects that far forward, but he certainly, uh, looks like he's got the goods at 12 years old. How about that? How about that swing on 17? Yeah, money, man. I mean, by the way, there are people, there are cameras, they're in the mix late on Sunday. I mean, my goodness, that was it's a pressure-packed sport, Drew. I mean, you know that. That's that's a lot of heat. Now, for the guys who are playing, you know, they're playing with their kid or whoever they're playing with uh, as a family member that particular week. It's pretty much a hit and giggle to them. They want to win, but it's pretty much a hit and giggle to them. To the kids, Drew, that's the Masters. 
For him to hit that shot on the 17th hole on Sunday, when you're one back in the lead at the point at that point, that's a that's a money shot, man. That's that's impressive. Yeah, and I really I don't want to bestow the the he's 12 years old. Now I will say this: if if I'm I'm actually going to play after you and I are are, are done chatting, and um, which is crazy to begin with on December 22nd or whatever the hell date it is today, 21st, um, but. Uh, if I saw a 12-year-old on the range swinging the club like he did or does, I would stop and go, holy shit, look at that. I mean, that's how pretty a swing he has. And then to do it is, I, I was watching with my boys, and I said, it's incredible what he's doing um, because yeah. of the cameras and the gallery, etc. I, 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 I think he and I'm, I'm sure Elon as well, obviously, are doing a great job uh, with the kids because it cannot be easy growing up and your father's one of the I don't know what half a dozen most famous people in the world yeah I mean it's it's not and I I, I have not been around the kids a lot um to make some type of an assessment other right. than to tell you Drew as an adult who's got kids his kids are wonderful um he and Elon have done a terrific job in raising a, a fine young lady in Sam and a fine young man in Charlie um they're polite. They're nice. And I cannot imagine what it's like to have, you know, your father be that famous, um, yeah. as you said. But I, they've done a wonderful job. Um, and Tiger's girlfriend, Erica, is is around a lot as well, uh, has a lot to do with it as well, I guess, um, is what it seems like. So the, the two mm -hmm. kids are great. And uh, I couldn't be happier for Tiger that, you know, he's got such a nice relationship with his kids. Um, and then the kids really love them and look up to them and, and they get to spend a lot of time together so that's great we'll have more with Steve Sands from NBC Sports and the Golf Channel in a moment but first this for ideal home loans if you're looking to save money and aren't we all call ideal home loans at 303-867-7000 it's Brent Ivinson's team they're experts in the mortgage lending business. So if you're gonna refi, you gotta call them. If you're about to purchase another new home, you gotta call them. If you're consolidating debt, you gotta call them. If you've just done something and you're unsure if you got the best deal, give them a call. You can get a second opinion. It's 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. It is Ideal Home Loans. And uh, they've been kicking butt in this area for more than 20 years or down in Arizona as well. So don't just play the waiting game for interest rates maybe to drop lower. Uh, give them a shout and find out exactly where you are and uh, if you're in the best product. Sometimes you know you think you're in the best product uh, for your circumstances and then you have a discussion uh, with one of their experts and you realize, you know what, I'm probably better served to be in a different product. And uh, again, they're going to guide you and they're going to do it uh, efficiently and they're going to do it uh, to your liking because they have done that for, as I said, more than 20 years, and that's why they have so many repeat customers like myself. It's Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. Divorce is not fun. Difficult time, emotional time, uncertain time. Been there. You need guidance. You need counsel. You need accurate information and great professionalism and understanding. And you'll find it without question at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, 
Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been recognized in a number of publications for their excellent work in the area of family law. They're compassionate and thorough in guiding you through a tumultuous period. Their work has been routinely recognized for its excellence. U.S. News and World Report, for instance, consistently award Laura Page and Mary Cox best lawyer distinctions. If you or someone you know is looking for counsel, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. That's coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. You, Steve, you alluded to this earlier. You know what I think is really cool is when great players are actually you know, good friends. Now, 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 Phil and Tiger have become seemingly much closer Um the relationship that Justin Thomas and I guess the Thomas family has with yeah. with Tiger and and his family is really unique, isn't it? It's it's pretty amazing. Um, they are really really close. Um, Tiger, you know, grew up an only child. You know, was his mom and dad. Justin Thomas, an only child. Obviously, both of them grew up to be freak show great golfers. Um, they have a lot in common. They're big sports fans. They, they they see each other a lot. They play golf a lot. They chat a lot. Um, you know, Charlie is like a de facto younger brother to Justin Thomas. Mike Thomas and Janny um, spent a lot of time down in the Jupiter area where Justin lives full-time and where Tiger lives full-time. And they're just around each other a lot. I think the families have become very close. Uh, it's nice to see. I mean, honestly, like I, I told you before, you know, balance is big, man. And for for Tiger to be able to have good friends, I, I would imagine, you know, I don't know this for a fact, I would imagine it just can't be easy. You know, how many people can you trust when you're Tiger Woods? How many people can you, you know, allow into your world when you're a guy like Tiger Woods? I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be him. But, you know, Justin's a great guy. Uh, they're a perfect pair together. Um, and I know he loves being around uh, the kids as well. And Mike Thomas and Janny, who you see a lot, who's, Mike, who played with Tiger, uh, played with Justin last week and his, his swing coach and, uh, they're around each other all the time. So yeah, it's a, it's a very strong bond between the Thomases and the Woods. It's nice to see. Yeah. At, at what point in time, Steve, we, did you stop and go, wait a second? This cat talking about Tiger, um, he may be able to, compete at the highest level again and we know we listen the limp became a little more pronounced it's not happening next weekend we we understand that and he has pointed that out in, in numerous interviews with you over the last several days and and at the podium as well but i think everyone can see it now is that a fair assessment i, I do i think that you know the golf swing is always there i mean golly it's just so money um, how good the golf swing is. and He doesn't have the swing speed or the power uh, that he's used to having. Whether that comes back or not, it's just going to take time and a lot of rehab and, you know, a lot of desire from Tiger, and he's got to figure out whether he wants all that stuff. Um, I, I, walking is an integral part of the game, and I think people laugh at that when it comes to golf, and these guys aren't in great shape. Well, they are in better shape than people think. You know, they're going around five, six miles each day, four or five, six times a week while competing and playing under pressure and doing all the things that they're doing as professional golfers. And I think the biggest, you know, problem for Tiger right now is, you know, getting the strength back in his leg, getting the endurance back in his leg to be able to walk and play. 
being able to generate the power that it takes to compete against the best players in the world and the longest and toughest golf courses in the world. And I think that's the biggest thing. If he is able to, over the next few months, six months, eight months, year, whatever it is, if he's able to generate enough power from his leg and also see some good scores when he's playing at home with Justin Thomas or whoever he's playing with, then I think he'll give it a shot and go back out there. But he is not about to go be a celebratory golfer, a ceremonial golfer. I think if he goes out there, Drew, he's going to go out there to compete. And that's because of what he's seen through his hard work at home. And only he knows that. So I think if we see him again, it's because he feels he's ready. He is not going to go out there and compete against the best players in the world on those golf courses unless he is absolutely ready to do it. Yeah. The the one part of it that doesn't shock me at all, um, you know, when you talk about Jordan, ridiculous talent, but a better work ethic than everybody else and a better competitive level than everybody else. I, I tell people this periodically, and I'm sure you have said the same thing at different points in your career. Even though when you go to a golf tournament, you're watching the best golfers on the planet. And within that very small group, there's a different compete level, if you will, between players. And Tiger's with the immense talent, is higher than everyone else. Jordan was the same way. And for that reason, I believe... Look at how his body looked. I mean, he was three months in a bed, evidently, based on what he said. And his body, I mean, he looks like an NFL free safety. Again, right? So I don't... I, I don't... I think there's no question in the world he will drive himself... Again, you would know far better than I would. He'll drive himself to get to that point where who knows what chapter he'll write next. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think it's impossible. God, you, I mean, we're, we're so lucky, Drew, to do what we do for a living and be around professional athletes and all those kinds of things. And the thing that I am always struck by, it, I, look, I'm a competitive person, um, whether I'm playing my kids in ping pong or in the, you know, in the backyard, you know, going two on two with them or whatever the sport is. And I'm sure you're a very competitive person too. These guys are so competitive that it drives them to a point which I'm not familiar with. And I think that the desire to get in the gym and rehab and work as hard as you possibly can to get back to go play against the best players in the world on the PGA Tour is something only Tiger knows if he has that gear in him again. I do know, and he said this a couple of times, he is at peace with what he's accomplished. 82 wins is tied for the most ever on the PGA Tour. It's not the record, but it's tied for the most with Sam Snead. And 15 majors is short of his career goal of 18 or more, which is what Jack Nicklaus has as far as career major championships. I know the drive is there, and I know the desire is there, but does he want to put himself through it again to climb all the way back up? I don't, only he knows. And It'll be fascinating to see whether he comes back because if he, I'm telling you, Drew, if he comes back, it's for a reason. It's not to be a ceremonial golfer. It's because he thinks he can compete against those guys, and that will make it even more fascinating to watch. Real quick, before I let you fly, you got to go skiing, man. Um, even though <laughs> even though the snow sucks right now, unfortunately, yeah, it sucks. Uh, but it's but ne- never a bad day in in, in the mountains. Um, 
greatest uh, of all his <laughs> unbelievable accomplishments, if you had to put one at the top of the food chain, was it was it the last Masters? It would have to be only because of the circumstances. Um, you know, look, his win at the Tour Championship, which was number 80, when all the people were coming down the hill on 18 at East Lake in Atlanta, like you know, like it looked like an open championship. That was was a massive win for him. First time he had won in five years, coming back from you know incredible turmoil uh, with him, you know, physically on the golf course and just having to go through all of that to get back to that point. And then he wins the Masters for his 81st. And then he goes to the Zozo Championship in Tokyo uh, later that year in the fall and wins his 82nd to tie Snead for the all-time record. I mean, he's had some amazing wins. He's had some incredible moments, um, you know, winning the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach by 100, you know, winning the Masters in 1997 by 100. Um, the, the Pebble Beach U.S. Open has got to be the single greatest accomplishment uh, golf-wise scoring-wise, domination-wise in his career. But the Masters win to get the 15, to get to his fifth green jacket under the circumstances, coming from nowhere, being able to do that, I mean, that put the sports world at a standstill, not just the golf world. It's the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed in, in just watching them. It was incredible. Real quick, Steve, who who had the line? It was one of the great lines going back to the Open um, when he in 2000 at Pebble. When uh, he's the, whoever finished second said, "I won my tournament." I don't know what event he was playing in. Who was yeah. um, I believe it was Ernie Els who came in second. Okay, um, and I believe it was Ernie Els who said that because Ernie right. was the guy who was 15 shots behind him. Uh, and it was a hell of a tournament without Tiger being there. <laughs> yeah. Great U.S. Open and Tiger wasn't there. Uh, and Ernie's won a couple of U.S. Opens. He's won a couple of Opens. He's in the World Golf Hall of Fame. I mean, he's, he's a world-class player. Um, yeah. He got beat by 15. I mean, he got beat by 15. What is that? That's ridiculous. Right. And he was the only guy. He's not only in red numbers, but he's playing it like it's the Greater Hartford Open back yeah, in the day. Yeah, he's at 12 under par at Pebble Beach, and the next guy's at three over. I mean, yeah. Come on, man. What are we doing? What are we doing here? <laughs> right, right. Professional golfers. These guys are not not like me and you getting out there with a couple of beers in our cart and going around zipping around the golf course. These guys. Hey, though, I, I listen. The, you and I, you are super kind. You got us. Uh, you got us out at the Medalist, which is Tiger and I guess Justin's home course. So next time when the Rockies are, are going through Florida next year. I'll give you a jingle. You call Tiger and Justin. We'll get a little foursome together at the medalist. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds like an easy get. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great get. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like it'll happen, but it sounds fun in theory. Hey, um, you, never, you, never you never know. Steve, it's great catching up, man. Continued success. I, I enjoy immensely uh, watching you. Um, to say I'm proud of you sounds silly and stupid, but I am. Um, and I just want you to keep up the good work and, and also keep, you know, keep get, every once in a while, give Kornheiser some shit when you talk to him on, <laughs> uh, on the podcast. Love, love, Tony. And by the way, thank you very much for the kind words. You saying you're proud of me is very, very kind. I, honestly, I genuinely mean this. When we first met, 
You were a massive influence. You didn't know it at the time. You were a massive influence uh, on my young career, and I could not be more appreciative for all the uh, the guidance you gave me all those years ago. Well, that that is uh, very kind, and I'd be self deprecating, but I'll save you all that. But um, it's fine, man. We're, we're very fortunate. We're in, as Doug Mo used to say, we're in the toy story, uh, toy store of life, and uh, we're privileged. And I know you feel that way to to do what we do. And yeah. Doug Moe reference. How good is that? The last time I, I saw Doug Moe is when I sneaked into McNichols Arena when I was in college. Imagine trying to do that now, trying to sneak into an arena now. I used to do that at Shea Stadium growing up, and they pre- and they actually glad. They were like, sneak in. No one else is here. You got to come in. Doug's, Doug's one of the all-time. English and Vandaway and T.R. Dunn and Issel. Oh, my God, were the Nuggets fun to watch when I was here. I was yeah, that, that, that is, that's the truth, man. They're fun now, but um, Doug, was, Doug was one of a kind. Listen, Steve, I will let you go. We'll do it again soon. It's been too long. Um, I, I really appreciate the time. Enjoy the holidays with your family. And, uh, again, continued success with NBC and, uh, and with Cutter and Golf. I appreciate it very much, Drew. Right back at you, folks. So once again, a big thank you to uh, Steve Sands. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, really enjoyed our, our conversation. I could have gone on forever. I'm going to get him on again. You know, he's um, he's on with Tony Kornheiser. Tony Kornheiser has uh, a podcast in addition to his PTI podcast, which I religiously listen to. He and Michael Wilbon, he's tight with, the, with those two guys. But, you know, great insight. Uh, on the game of golf, and there's so many personalities now. We didn't even get into, you know, DeChambeau and Kepka. We, you know, we touched on, um, you know, we talked in great detail about about Tiger. But um, there, there's so many personalities now in the game of golf, which is so different from you know 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, also, I want to mention, by the way, um, you know what I got a big kick out of? Gary Player was interviewed. Gary Player is 86, and he's always been the jackal lane of golf. He's in phenomenal shape. I mean, he gets up every day, and he, like, runs 10 miles and does 4,000 push-ups and sit-ups, and he, and he looks that way. And his joy and zest for life, not just the game of golf. I mean, it jumps off the screen at you, and I really enjoyed uh, the interview that, uh, that Steve did uh, with Gary Player. I mean, this guy's 86, and he had, like, what is it, several thousand rounds in a row he's beaten his age? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's good to see Lee Trevino out there. I've re- I enjoyed the hell out of that uh, that whole uh, golf weekend with uh, father-son and, and father-daughter and... Um, you know, Nellie Corder out there with uh, with her father, who was a, a great Peter Corder. I love tennis, so I remember when he was, uh, you know, a top ten player in the world. It was all great stuff, and the ratings, the television ratings, were massive. You know, last year when Tiger played with Charlie, it did really well. It did two and a half times better in ratings this year, and clicks on social media were just off the charts. So it's all good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah, and a big reminder to uh, join the uh, DNVR Rockies podcast with Patrick Lyons. You can do that every day. And enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Have a merry, merry Christmas. We'll do it again next week. And uh, thanks uh, to all of you for joining us uh, this week and every week over the last 128 weeks. Merry Christmas, everybody. Take care. Take care.